0: The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Prepare us, O oh God, to hear your words through the scriptures of this day. Confront us with your, your claims on our lives. Clarify the choices we must make if our lives are to have meaning and purpose. Help us to respond to the one who came as the bread of life, so that we may know life at its fullest and best. Amen. Your reading today is from John chapter 11 verses 32 to 44. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her were also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See, he loved him. So, but some of them said, He, or could he not open the eyes of the blind, have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, w- and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked upwards and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they would believe me that you had sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his faith wrapped in cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. The word of God for the people of God.
1: On Saturday, October twenty seventh, we witnessed another mass shooting in our country. Eleven souls returned to God. Gunned down by a anti-Semitic man with an assault rifle. Prior to the mass shooting, uh, we witnessed a dozen prominent politicians um, who were targets of assassination attempts by mail bombs. A fairly horrific news cycle. And yet, even a hurried glance at international news illustrates stories just as horrific. Dozens dead in eastern Syria, millions starving in Yemen, widespread killings and kidnappings and communal violence in central Nigeria. It goes on. In the midst of life, we are in death. And yet today, Christians around the world celebrate All Saints' Day. In a world that fears and avoids and desecrates death, the church invites God's people to linger at the grave in grief, in remembrance, in gratitude, and in hope. In a world that mistreats and abuses countless women and children and even men, the church affirms the value of every single soul, every single life. In a world that privileges the individual, the church honors the deep, interconnectedness of God's family across time and culture and history and eternity. Yes, it's true, in the midst of life, we are in death. But All Saints Day reminds us of a deeper truth. In the midst of death, we are promised life. Our gospel reading for All Saints Day is the story of Lazarus, his miraculous resurrection. It's one of the most dramatic and difficult scriptures in all the Bible. And I'll admit I don't fully understand it. I don't understand why Jesus waits when he first receives word of Lazarus' Lazarus's illness. I don't understand why he tells the disciples that, that Lazarus is asleep rather than dead. I don't understand why he chooses to bring Lazarus back at all. Bizarre. Does a man who's been dead for four days even want to come back? You ever thought about that? And I definitely don't understand why Lazarus virtually disappears from the gospel. Once the grave clothes fall, we never hear from him again. The story is shrouded in mystery. It's difficult to understand. However, today I cling to the two words in the narrative I do understand. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. For me, this is the heart of the story. It's the point of intersection between the divine and the human. Grief takes hold of God and breaks God down. Jesus stands to the grave of his friend and weeps. Tears I know. Tears you know. Grief I understand grief we all understand it has taken me a long time though to appreciate Jesus tears in this story when I was younger I didn't understand why Jesus cried why is he crying when he knew that Lazarus was about to come back to life seems like a waste (laughs) why mourn when life is just around the corner And when I was in seminary, struggling to find my footing and my voice, I didn't understand why Jesus cried after intentionally staying away. He's dead because you stayed away. And like some of the onlookers in today's lesson, I responded to Jesus' grief with cynicism and disapproval. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Well, yes. Yes, he could have. He didn't, but he could have. Over time, though, I've come to cherish and depend Jesus' tears, perhaps even more than I cherish the miracle that follows them. And I believe those tears teach us about God's intent. God's intent for our living, for our faith, and for our dying. When Jesus weeps, he legitimizes human grief. His brokenness in the face of Mary's sorrow, it counteracts all forms of Christian achievement that leaves no room for lament. Yes, resurrection is around the corner, but in this story, the promise of life doesn't cancel out the essential work of grief. When Jesus cries, he assures Mary not only that her beloved brother is worth crying for, but also that she is worth crying with. And in this moment, through his tears, he calls us into the holy vocation of empathy. When Jesus Christ, he honors the complexity of our gains and our losses, our sorrows and our joys. Raising Lazarus will not bring back the past. It will not cancel out the pain and the grief of his illness and his death. Whatever joys await Lazarus and his sisters in the future, those joys will be layered. Joys shaped by sorrow and fear and loss, all of which they have endured. In Lazarus's case, his future will be nothing like his past. Some might view him as a hero, others as a pariah. Whatever the case, Jesus' tears honor the reality of human change. He grieves because things will never be the same again. We can never go back to the way it was before. When Jesus cries, he honors the nuances of faith he recognizes that all expressions of belief and trust come with emotional baggage. We all have emotional baggage. Martha expresses deep resentment and anger at him. And in the next breath, she illustrates trust in his power. Mary blames Jesus for Lazarus' death and she is right to. But she does so on her knees, in a posture of belief. Likewise, Jesus' face is wet with tears as he prays to God and resurrects his friend. All of this illustrates what real faith looks like. It's messy it runs the spectrum of emotion. It embraces rather than vilifies the full spectrum of the human condition. I believe when Jesus weeps, he acknowledges his own immortality. In John's gospel, the raising of Lazarus, is the precipitating event that leads Jesus or leads to Jesus own arrest and crucifixion. When word spreads about the miracle in Bethany, the authorities decide enough is enough. Jesus must be stopped. So essentially he trades his life for Lazarus's life. Given this fact, I imagine that Jesus' tears are an expression of grief over his own impending death. He knows that the end is imminent. He knows that his time with his friends is almost over. In crying, he asserts powerfully that it is okay to yearn for life. It is okay to feel a sense of wrongness and injustice in the face of death. It is okay to mourn the loss of vitality and intimacy and longevity. It is okay to selfishly love and cherish the gift of life here and now. And finally... when he weeps, he shows us that sorrow is a powerful catalyst for change. Sorrow is a powerful catalyst for change. In the story of Lazarus, it is the shared lament that leads to transformation. It's because Jesus experiences the devastation of death That he recognizes the immediate need to restore life. It is his grieving that leads to resurrection, I believe. I wonder, with all that I just said about his tears, I wonder if they can provoke within you similar ways of faithful engagement? Can we too live fully empathetic towards one another? Can we honor the space for human change to take root? Can we embrace rather than vilify? Can we be stewards of all, of all life? Can we permit our sorrow to inspire us to change the world? I wonder what breaks your heart What splits you open in sorrow? What enrages you to the point of breakdown? Can you work for transformation in those places of devastation? You Can you work for transformation in those places of devastation? Can your sorrow lead you to seek justice? Are you willing to be proximate to the most vulnerable in this world? this day we gather to honor and remember our saints, those who were a part of our story and those whose stories we only know through the lives of others. We also this day cast a vision for our future as a community that is called to justice, that is called to mercy, that is called to love, without boundaries. What breaks your heart? I believe that Jesus' honest expression, his sorrow, gives us permission and the impetus that we need not only to work through grief and to offer healing, but to move with powerful compassion into a world that sorely needs our empathy and love. We are in death. It is true. We are. But we serve a God who calls us to life. Our journey is not to the grave. Our journey is through it. The Lord who weeps It's also the Lord who resurrects. We are not master builders. We are workers. The work that we do is never finished. But that does not negate our ability to live every day in hope. Thanks be to God. Amen.